join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's It's Friday, it's Rog, and we've made it through another week, one filled with, well, all kinds of emotions, and I don't know about you, but I teared up yesterday watching the incredibly inspiring footage of Fulham and US international defender Tim Ream meet 13-year-old Reese Porter. If you didn't see it, go and find it, it is so beautiful, Reese is a Cottagers fan, who lives with cerebral palsy and was a target of what can only be described as savage social media abuse after he posted footage of himself playing goalkeeper on TikTok. Quick segue, what is wrong with people? Really, what is wrong with people? But back to Tim Ream and Reese. back to beautiful things because I'm going to play you a segment from my British Breakfast Show which shows footage of Reese. Being interviewed at Fulham's training, they invited him there after the awful social media bullying. Tim Ream then arrives on the scene, and as he speaks beautifully, Reese just starts sobbing with joy. Let's take a listen. I mean, I know that there's Tim Ream, isn't there? The um, Fulham defender. Is he is he quite good? Yeah, wins a lot of headers. Does he? What would you say to him if you were to see him now? You know, give him a bit of advice about, um, you know, improving the game and contributing to the team. Yeah, I would say that he's a great defender and, yeah. Where can, how can he improve? How can Tim Ream improve? Um, he could improve. I don't know. I don't think he needs him. Come on, you can say it. You can say it. <laughs> we thought you don't be think lovely. I can improve? No. Oh, you can always improve. You can always improve. We thought it'd be lovely to introduce you, you both, Tim. I mean, I know you you've you've tweeted about what Reese has been doing, and you've been blown away by kind of you know just him saying enough, and I'm going to call this out. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I showed my my family his his video, and I just think 
You know, we, people see footballers as, as role models and, and inspirations, and, and for, for me, what, what he's doing is, is more of an inspiration than, than anything that, that um, you know, any of us could ever do. Oh, to listen to that, that moment is to experience something that's all that's good about sports. Huge, huge respect to Tim Ream, the 33-year-old from St. Louis, just watching, just listening just experiencing his love, his empathy, you gain an immediate sense of the leadership he must bring to our young US squad still grappling. Well, let's just say they're off the field decision making. One more story about football that's uplifting involving another hero of ours at Men and Blazers, Liam Baskell, a seven-year-old football mad GFOP from Bedford, New Hampshire, who since his birth has been battling a rare form, a terrible form of paediatric cancer. If you've seen our set in the panic room, we used to have a blue moon uh, in the background with Liam written on it. That, that was for him. And as we pod, Liam and his family are taking a football tour of England. This week, they went to City's League Cup clash midweek and are headed to Chelsea to watch them play City. I think his beloved city. And if you want to be smacked in the face by perspective, Google Liam's family's blog about his battle with cancer. We sent out a link this morning in our newsletter to see Liam's face beam in Manchester as he watches his heroes in the flesh. It's a reminder of the true football joy that can be created through the game. I'm honestly tearing up as I say this to you. And I also want to thank everyone at Manchester City and everyone at Chelsea who've gone above and beyond to give such love to Liam, to his family, the Baskals. We are sending you all, Baskals, the love in the world. Liam, you are an inspirational young gent. You personify courage. Last note, Band of Brothers episode three just launched. Features a remarkable human being, the cult hero Dale Dye, the series senior military advisor, Hollywood legend and real-life Marine Captain Dale Dye, a bloke whose words, listen to them, they're life-changing, as well as Rufus from Gossip Girl, a.k.a. the man who played one of Easy Company's most mythologised soldiers. That's right, Matthew Settle. Joined to talk Captain Ronald Spears. Here's a bite. When Matthew talked about what it was like to sit at the premiere of Band of Brothers with the real men of Easy Company to his left and his right and show them his recreation of their flight over the English Channel on D-Day where they were about to jump into a hail of German bullets. Okay, so yes, that was incredible. I was sat next to Spears and Winners and there was enough light to just see their faces looking up at the screen at the jump into Normandy. They were there again. There was an intensity. 
it was almost like there was this element of disbelief in them seeing the screen and then a re-witness of what an amazing feat they had been part of. Oh my God, we really did that. Yeah, it was incredible to sit there next to them in awe. Okay, let's do this. Sting me up, producer Jonah. Rabona. Was that a Rabona? Is that a Rabona? Is that a Rabona? Rabona. That was the Is That a Rabona? Sting by Stevie Thorne. Oh, the great Stevie Ray Thorne. A sting from Thorne. Very poetic. And this is WGFOP, The Bald, the show where you call in your questions and I give you the answer equivalent of a Rabona. Optimistic, with lots of flair, but almost always done inaccurately. Call in your questions to us, 646-450-9472, and it could be your voice on this podcast. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favourites, California, Texas and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving Double P, Pablo Picasso. Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because Price Picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worthy to select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Question one. Raj, first time, long time, calling from Manassas, Virginia. This is Chris. I'm a huge Chelsea fan, and my wife and I are traveling to Boise, Idaho tomorrow. I want to watch Chelsea in Boise, I think, at like 5.30 in the morning. Is there a place that I can see the game? Love what you do. Please continue to do it. Love you. Bye. Oh, listeners in Boise, do us a favour. Please email us and tell us where we can have Chris go in your fine city. Here's the story. What a rumble. A rematch of last year's Champions League final. Tommy Tuchel enters with a smirk, knowing he not only has three wins on the trot against Pep's Cashmere squad, but as Chelsea 
have opened the season looking imperious, rippled, ready, robust, and in contrast, City have resembled their manager. Still handsome, yes, but fractious and prone to stumble onto the sideline with a day's beard growth and a sweatshirt that looks cheap as heck, but actually costs the GDP of Moldova. This game, it could be title deciding. I don't like to be hyperbolic, I kind of do, but I don't like to be hyperbolic. But it is, it is title deciding. And, you know, in these situations, these big moments, an angsty Pep has a predilection to overthink his tactics. One ray of hope for City, Mason Mount is out. Another, yes, Chelsea have conceded just once all season and that was against Liverpool from a penalty. But goalkeeper Edward Mendy is going to be a game-time decision. He's missed the last two games. And what a difference maker he's been since he signed on this day last year. Christian Pulisic, if you're asking, I would say that would be a surprise inclusion if I pass Tuchel's words correctly as he continues his return from injury. Ultimately, if Pep does not unleash an avant-garde experiment that will totally crash and burn, this is going to be just, just a magnificent battle royale all about which manager can enforce his idea of football on the other city will look to press Chelsea high back into their own half push their defenders up make the field small Chelsea they love to ripple their muscles dominate the middle of that field just uh, smother and batter the opposition we'll really know in the first half hour who is dictating play can't wait to watch it proper six pointer in every way especially for City who then plummet straight into a game against PSG and then have Liverpool waiting on the other side of it. This is a this is a gauntlet, this moment for Pep. It's the truth. It is the truth. For Chelsea, well, is one of my favourite clips of the week. Thomas Tuchel, this really is him, leaning back against the wall and singing under pressure. Sorry, Thomas. Under pressure. <laughs> under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. I have only listened to that clip about a thousand times this morning. In another life, Tommy T could have been German Freddie Mercury. Next question. Hey, Raj and Devo. This is Sam from St. Paul, Minnesota, home of your Minnesota United. Go Loons. I'm also a Spurs fan, but we'll wait to see how I feel about that after Sunday's North London Derby. I actually have a question related to baked goods. With the Great British Baking Show starting up soon, I'm curious, Raj, if you have any baked goods that remind you of home that you miss or baked goods, things that you just couldn't believe when you came to America. Um, maybe there's a, a type of bread that reminds you of Everton. Um, anyways, I'll listen to your answer. Cheers. Roll on the North London Derby sorrow. Arsenal Spurs, Sunday 11.30am, NBCSN. Oh goodness, what's a goal? Is that a Rabona? A knife fight over a moon door between Dawn Wiener from Todd Solin's Wiener Dog and Ralph Wiggum. After wins against Norwich and Burnley, Arsenal! Imperious, if you use Imperious loosely, will seek to prove he who lost last, lost longest with the greatest helmet haircut. And Spurs, well, that top of the table era feels Mayfly-esque. Feels like it was months ago. Harry Kane, goalless in the Premier League. Will that continue? Well, the gent only has 11 goals in 12 games against Arsenal. Proper hates the Gooners. 
This one is going to revolve around which team will show they are vaguely moving forward and which team's hatred of the other will surpass their own self-loathing. In terms of your baked goods question, look, so much of what I need in life from England, monster munch, potato chips, kippers, oh my God, I live for kippers, curly whirlies, pies, they're all available now in the United States. It's a... An integrated world, find distributors like the Hamlet in Mount Kisco, just bring them oh, to my loving arms. But what do I miss? What can't I get here? What is my Proust Madeline in England? Well, as a kid, we had four meals a day. We had, yes, breakfast, lunch and dinner, ofs, but we also had tea. What's for tea, mum? That's what you had when you came home from school, a snack, essentially, pre-homework, a snack that consisted of a hot cup of tea. God, just the notion of giving one like a four, five, six-year-old a hot cup of tea is so wonderful and hilarious. With a baked good, my mother, God love you, Val, would pick up on a daily basis. And the one I love the most was the Eccles cake. A small round pie, similar to a turnover, jam full of currants, made from a just a deliciously flaky pastry which would crackle around your lips, covered in butter, sometimes, always, Topped with sugar, I think bakers call it Damara sugar, and named after a magnificent town in Lancashire. Eccles, bite your arm off for a good Eccles cake. Question, please. Roger, this is Stroman Breeding from Athens, Ohio. I support Everton and the U.S. men's and women's national teams. I have an emotional question for you. As we have seen this week with James Rodriguez and his eternal scandalous saga with Everton, along with Tottenham and Harry Kane, and even Arsenal and Laurent Koscielny, it seems an inordinate amount of pressure from English football fans is put on players to really buy into their respective football clubs, cities, and cultures. Fan bases rally behind those who will go out of their way to show their societal embrace, but will also alienate players who choose to live outside city limits. The idea of mercenary players seems novel to even large large market British clubs. It seems this force affection is not as emphasized in American sports, but celebrated nonetheless. As someone who is much more familiar with English culture than myself, Could you just explain this almost tribal notion that simultaneously feels noble? I feel this emotion is what makes me love the Premier League that much more, but I also fear it may act as a deterrent sometimes for those not willing to commit wholeheartedly to the cause. I mean, who wouldn't want Hamed on your squad? But at the same time, I have a different kind of affection for someone like Tom Davies, and I'm not even from Liverpool. As always, thanks for what you do. Courage. Strowman, you beauty, what a question. One rooted in a in a truth that we want our players to support our teams. And they do do a good act of pretending they do. We want them to believe that they love the team as much as we do as fans. We demand that. We expect that. And they, they play along. They do play along. They 
you know, they do, they live and die competitively because they are deeply competitive. By and large, most professional athletes are deeply, deeply competitive human beings. But we also want them to yearn. We want them to dream about the team. They really yearn and dream about, as they should do, their individual career paths. They probably yearn and dream about money, if we're being honest, that success can bring. And even though we know they don't support the team that we do, there are moments when, for instance, a player laughs after a loss during the, the post-match handshakes. Or, or worse, the odd occasion a player will change shirts at half-time with a legendary player on the other team who probably has just scored on them. Or in Hammers's case, goes on Twitch and laughs publicly that he has no idea, doesn't care who Everton are playing at the weekend when he was an Everton player. You know, that is way, way, way over the line. And that's when we do go pretty, pretty bonkers. They have to play along with our fiction. But Hammers leaving, look, it was sad. And I talked about it earlier this week, both in my newsletter, Courage, sign up for it now, but also in uh, our green room uh, on Spotify midweek. I went into it in depth and I won't repeat it, but the sadness of Hammers, and many of you were confused. Why would Everton get rid of Hammers? He was so good. Look, he was a, essentially, he made us dream briefly and left us with shattered dreams. And he has ultimately become a, he's an incredible footballer, but he's a footballing grifter. A man who, I mean, not only doesn't care about Everton, he, at this point, does not seem to care about his own career. He was a king in 2014. He was, he was next level magnificent. But since then, let's just say he's been drawn more to the lifestyle of football rather than to the application of football itself. And ultimately, this week, retired himself, age 30, to Qatar, to a club, Al Rayyan, who brought him really for the clicks, for the social media engagement, so that people like me would say the words Al Rayyan on their show globally. That is, he's a bauble. He's a marketing bauble. And, you know, he doesn't care because he likes money. And what we do as fans, we love players who are the complete opposite. We love Harry Kane. He's one of our own. This is why it's been so traumatic, the Harry Kane once away from Tottenham experience that you know we love Trent Alexander-Arnold I admire Trent Alexander-Arnold the Liverpool lad who you know when I went to interview him told me with with deep emotion with real emotion how he used to look through a crack in the wall at his heroes the Liverpool team training he used to live right by the training facility and he'd look at them and he'd dream of leading them to a league title and who was his hero Jamie Carragher. This is almost biblical. Jamie Carragher begat Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, Scouser begetting Scouser. Players who knew what it meant to live and breathe Liverpool Football Club. And yes, Jamie was born a blue, but as a player, when you're local, when you come through a club, you just understand it in a different way than those who join. You appreciate that a derby is a win or die affair, that family relationships are, you know, workplace relationships, schoolyard relationships are defined by it. But you also come to represent the club in a different way to the fans. Your Tom Davis example is a very good one. You know, Everton fans know that Tom, like them, once kicked a ball around the street to Liverpool, dreaming of playing for the team as much as we did. And the only difference is Tom made it. I mean... You also need to know, historically, back in the day, older fans know this, we grew up, just to be clear, in the 80s, 
English football, almost all the players were English. You know, almost all the players were local. Everton Football Club was full of Scousers. Liverpool Football Club, full of Scousers. Northerners, you know, Scots and Irish players, Welsh players were, they felt foreign. They felt exotic. And then when Europeans did start to trickle over, my God, the local influence was still so strong that they immediately started to sound <laughs> like all the other players around them. Here's my favourite from childhood. Jan Mulby, the Great Dane, a midfielder of some girth and some incredible brilliance, came over to Liverpool. You know, okay as English, but within a year, Jan Mulby sounded like he'd grown up a stone's throw from Anfield. Here's some Jan Mulby. It's always been my dream to to get to win in the FA Cup final, and when you get there, you actually win. It makes the day even greater, and uh, it was with all the fans and everything there. It was absolutely unbelievable. Was there anything like you expected it to be? I think before the games, you know, you think a, a lot about what is it going to be like. It's, it's going to be so and so and so on. I think it was the atmosphere was greater than what I thought it might have been. And I think the game turned out to be a better game than I thought it might have been. So altogether, a great day. Been there a year, Jan Mulby. Already a proper scouser. That is the world all the fans are coming from. It could not be more different now. We know that rationally. But emotionally, we still like to dream. Next question. Roger, this is Sean from Oakdale, Minnesota. Big, big Wolves fan. Would probably give out the name, uh, the naming rights to my firstborn. If Adama could just find the back of the neck and kiss me. Uh, my question is a two-parter. So first, it looks like the Barcelona job is bound to be open pretty soon. Given the endless list of crises that they're facing, seems to be only one man for the job. Big Sam. My question to you, what is the Drop King's odds on him being appointed the next Barcelona manager? And then the second question is, how the hell do you say Big Sam's mind in Spanish? Gracias, amigo, and courage. Barcelona versus Levante, Sunday, 10.15am Eastern Time, ESPN+. Plus. A game for rubberneckers, snuff movie aficionados and Real Madrid fans in equal measure. Yes, this week, Ronaldo Koeman was red-carded after a turgid draw of Cadiz. He's barely hanging on. Barca, they play a awful style of football suddenly, a cross-heavy style of football. Think exotic or erotic Burnley. They are now linked to another former Everton manager, Roberto Martinez. Big Sam, let's just say, can't be too far down the list for a club who wants sword, but like Icarus, merely strapped on wax wings and headed straight for the sun. By the way, Big Sam's minds in Spain would be Las Minas de Gran Sam. And here he is, Big Sam, making the case. He should have been Real Madrid's manager. When the project is finished here, would you like to take on an Inter Milan or a Real Madrid one day? I don't think that would ever come my way because, you know, I need to have my name changed to a foreign name, I think, for there. Then I think that uh, would be much more appropriate and not speak with a Midland stroke northern accent. One more question, please. Hi, Raj. It's John from Los Angeles. I'm a Washington Dips supporter, originally from Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, this FIFA proposal for a two-year World Cup cycle has gotten me so angry and depressed. World Cups are special exactly because they're rare. But now they're pushing this 
soup plantation, all-you-can-eat approach to international football on us. Don't they get that, yes, while the first bowl of broccoli cheddar soup is indeed glorious, by the fourth one, we're just one wafer-thin mint away from implosion. We know it's all about greed. I mean, FIFA made $6 billion in the, from the 2018 World Cup, which is 25% more than they made on the previous one. But still, they want the goose to deliver ever more golden footballs. My question is, should we just resign ourselves to greed ultimately swamping and ruining the sport we love? We fended off the Super League coup, but is it just a matter of time before the barricades are finally breached? I hope you have some hope for us, because I, I don't know, not feeling very hopeful. Cheers. John from LA. God, this is all so depressing. Why is it that football, the game we love, the game that gives us Marcus Rashford, Christian Eriksen, Steph LeBay, so many feel-good stories, is run by the most heinous human beings in the world. I mean, Dr. Evil often looks harmless to FIFA and UEFA honchos in comparison. And the reality is, the answer is so simple. There's a lot of money to be made in the game, to be creamed off the ether of luxury and excess and human wonder that make football the world's largest global billboard. The one thing that everyone watches. Think the NFL, but outside of the United States of America, not just inside. So men, and it still is mostly men, and greed and avarice run this thing. And I, I, I saw that face-to-face where 2012 euros. I was in Donetsk, Ukraine. My God, it was a hot mess. Organization was hilariously lax. Security was almost non-existent. And I took a wrong turn on the way to the press box and by accident, Walked into a room, I just opened the door, walked into a room, a luxe lounge that had, it was empty, but it had hundreds, hundreds of bottles of champagne in buckets on table after table, shiny table after shiny table, you know, bearskin rugs all over the place. And I, I was in there alone for a moment. I didn't know what, I, I, I didn't know what it was. And a guy came in and asked me what I was doing. And I said, is this the press box? And he just laughed and said, nope. This is UEFA's official box. Please leave. I mean, this was the VIP room inside the VIP room inside the VIP room. And afterwards, I actually saw the guy again post-game, late night, dragging out hundreds of those champagne bottles now empty and chucking them straight into the garbage. UEFA don't even recycle people. But that is football's bureaucracy, living large, off the back of the game we love. And it makes me sick. And... That is what the doubling up of the World Cup is. It's just a power play by FIFA who are afraid of Europe's power at the club level and as an international body, UEFA. You know, UEFA and FIFA are at war. They are two mobs. This is New York and New Jersey going at it in the Sopranos. And this is a move, the double World Cup, to try and expand the FIFA empire and to weaken UEFA and eat up the bandwidth of the football calendar in the process. It's a flex that yes, you know, as they say, it will help smaller nations in Africa and smaller nations in Asia, which is what they always claim to care about. But really, it will just line the pockets of the football bureaucrats in those smaller nations in Africa and Asia because football is corrupt as hell. Especially you, CONCACAF. Football is run by men who live in the shadows, under the rock 
of the game, but not in CONCACAF. Think about the image of the week. 60-year-old Suriname Vice President Brunswick, a man who made the bold decision, you know what, I may as well start a game, a CONCACAF league match for my team that I own, Inter Mungatapo. I mean, the former Rebel Soldier then played 54 minutes in a CONCACAF league clash against Olympia. Brunswick, if you don't know who he is, he was once a subject of a New York Times profile which described him as, quote, an elite paratrooper, a soccer player, a wanted bank robber, a guerrilla leader, a gold baron, and a father to at least 50 children. He's now vice president of Suriname. He owns a club, serves as the team president. On this night, he captained the side, played into the second half before being subbed. And not surprisingly, his team was not victorious. They got beat 6-0. Video later emerged of him walking into his opponent's locker room, handing out cash. Pete CONCACAF has been achieved. That is football. I love football, but sometimes the thing I love can feel so terrible. And I will say doubling the World Cups is just that. Now let us rise for the official CONCACAF anthem, LOLS. The official CONCACAF anthem. Can you imagine being given the job of please compose the CONCACAF anthem with a brief which probably went something like write a piece of music that just captures the sound of surreal mediocrity. And I'm sure the composer just had writer's block for weeks and then had to deliver it. So just quickly pumped out some knockout Game of Thrones battle music instead. Clean up CONCACAF now. And that's it for this week. One last word. R.I.P. to Summers, the incredible football bar that defined the game for those in the greater D.C. area in the early 90s. We posted a tweet this week showing Summers has just been knocked down. It's now a huge hole where the bar once was. And I will say the reaction to posting it was fascinating to younger fans who had been to Summers only in its last years. You know, we heard a lot of them say, why, why are you mourning that place? It was like a dump. It was awful. But if you you need to know if you crave football back in the immediate post-94 World Cup era, then you will. Mark my word. And even if you don't know what Summers is, around America, you'll know what I'm talking about. You will have sensational memories of a bar like Summers where games were watched, beers supped, friendships forged. Yes, the hospitality was often rudimentary. To be candid, I ate a lot of grisly hamburgers in Summers. But my God, I sat there and watched Satanta with gratitude that the oasis of football existed. This in the days before DC fans' lucky bar took over. And your gratitude as you handed over $20 to get in on this pay-per-view was bloody overpowering. I'll say another true heritage site of the American game is lost. Let's take nothing for granted, people. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Courage. Paradise put up a parking lot. We 
It's a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? It paid paradise, put up a parking lot. The people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. You pay paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. You pay paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs> hey prime members you can listen to men in blazers ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today or you can listen ad free with wondery plus in apple podcasts before you go tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.